Welcome to That PCOS Coach Podcast. If you're here, then there's a great chance that you too have PCOS and you're in good company. My name is Letitia Bates and I'm your host. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist and health coach. I hold a degree in nutrition and food science, currently a dietetics major on the path to becoming a dietitian and a former licensed nurse. This is my station where I shed light on polycystic ovary syndrome. You're going to hear stories from PCOS fighters, advocates, interviews from PCOS experts, and learn all things PCOS, fitness, and health. I have to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, VitaChic. VitaChic is a PCOS-owned company that creates luxury skincare products and high-quality supplements. I personally love the Mild Decaro Complex, but I was also really fortunate to be able to assist in the formula for the Berberine Complex as well. Samantha, the founder and CEO, is always happy to assist you, and I just can't speak enough about the quality of the product at VitaChic. So head over to VitaChicUSA.com and you can use the code LIVEFREE20 for 20% off of your order or check the show notes. I have all of that information there as well. Now, let's talk about today's episode. Today, like you are in for a special treat. I am chatting with my friend, Allison Clark, who is also known as Happy Hormones Dietitian. She is a registered dietitian with a Master's of Science in Nutrition, and she specializes in working with those with polycystic ovary syndrome. She practices a health at every size approach and is a non-diet dietitian. So today she's going to share her knowledge with us about how we can manage PCOS with a non-diet approach. Hey, Ellison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here as well. I know we have a really fun and amazing topic to talk about today, but before we go into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am a registered dietitian. Um, I uh, went to school for... um, psychology, which I think is really helpful in terms of working with um, my clients and behavior change and all that kind of stuff. Worked for five years in fundraising and development and then decided that I wanted to pursue a career in nutrition. So I spent three years getting my master's um, in nutrition and did a one-year dietetic internship um, and then started working um, right out of my internship at the hospital where I did my clinical rotation. So I still work there now. Yeah, I still work there now. Um, But then also within the last couple of months have opened um, my private practice, the Happy Hormones Dietitian to work with others um, with PCOS. Yeah, yeah. And you are just, I love all the information that you're sharing. And I'm so excited that you are, you know, working. Is your plan to go fully like private? Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. And I think you're going to do amazing. And I know you're going to love that. You know, I can tell that you love what you're doing. Um, And I know that you and I have had conversations in the past because like you have PCOS yourself, Mm -hmm. correct? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Do you care to share like your story? Like how, when were you diagnosed? Like what was going on? That kind of thing. Yeah. So like a lot of people, I was only formally diagnosed um, a couple years ago. So, you know, 
I have kind of the the typical story. I started my period at the age of 12, um, never really had a normal period, and was really concerned even at that age about future fertility. I can remember telling my mom, you know, oh my gosh, if, you know, if my period isn't regular, what does that mean in terms of me being a mom one day? So we went to the gynecologist, you know, he saw me in his office, it was a quick visit, and he said, you know, oh, this is totally normal, we'll put you on birth control to regulate your cycle. And at the time, you know, I did like so many others do, I trusted the doctor, I trusted that he was the expert. And, you know, I think he did have my, you know, best interest in, at heart. Um, but I really wish I had gotten a little bit more information then as right. far as, you know, PCOS and what that means. Um, so I went on the birth control pill, was on it for about 18 years to, you know, regulate my cycle, you know, not have to think about it. And it really, you know, at the time I trusted that it was kind right, of right. out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> I had a period every month and I thought that was normal. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as, um, you know, when I was dating my then boyfriend, now husband, and kind of thinking about fertility and what that would mean one day, um, really started kind of diving into, you know, everything fertility and, you know, what that missing period meant and found a couple of accounts on PCOS. And this was the same time that I was in school for nutrition. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little bit more educated on healthcare and the body and nutrition and how that all impacts it. And, um, ultimately, um, at one point decided to go off of the pill, you know, my period never came back. Um, mm -hmm. I went to see another gynecologist. I talked to him about it. I talked to him about the possibility of it being, um, PCOS. And one of the things that still sticks with me to this day is he told me, um, you, your BMI is not high enough to have PCOS. And I can remember thinking, I don't know that much about PCOS, but that's not a diagnostic not a, criteria. Yeah. <laughs> and I so wish I had more knowledge to be able to tell him, no, that has nothing to do with it. I, right. I, you know, I meet it based on these criteria and I really want some more information. So he agreed to run some lab work at the time. I didn't really know what to ask for. So he ran an AMH. It was high, which now I know I should have push back a little further. I tried mm -hmm. to um, call the office and, and have a conversation with him about it. And I actually never heard back, Never got, oh, wow. which I think is kind of <laughs> yeah. crazy. So I went a whole nother year kind of trying to figure this out, making some, you know, nutrition changes, lifestyle changes, trying to manage stress. I just finished graduate school and got married. So trying to kind of get that under, under control. Um, and then finally, about a year later, found a doctor who I really, really like and, you know, walked me through a lot of this. Um, yeah, she really knows a lot more about the kind of the, the medical and medication side of PCOS, mm -hmm. but as far as um, nutrition and lifestyle, you know, that I really had to kind of find on my own. And that was what really sparked me to um, start to build my private practice as, you know, even finding a great doctor who could help me, you know, get those labs and get that diagnosis. Um, you know, I still you know, the only things that I was offered in the office were medications. And I, you know, <laughs> I am totally for medications. I right. think that they can be super helpful. Um, but what I really wish we had in the PCOS world was better 
um, really informed consent from patients of, you know, this is the medication I want to put you on. This is what, what it'll do. These are the side effects. Here's some alternatives if you don't want to try the medication right. um, instead of here's a prescription, go get it at the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so my practice was really born out of wanting to really partner with those with PCOS to um, walk them through this process and um, help them get the information that they need. And a lot of what I also do with them is um, help kind of empower them to advocate for themselves in the doctor's office. And yeah, and um, we've really, I've, with some um, of my clients, I've really been able to um, almost like role play with them during Mm -hmm. some sessions to say, you know, if, you know, the doctor gives you this kind of feedback, you know, here's some things you you can can do this. (laughs) Exactly. And, and that alone, I think is so huge that um, those with PCOS have somebody kind of in their corner, helping Mm -hmm. them to fight, to get better care. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And I love that so much because a lot of people don't, there's a lot of things that they don't know about healthcare. Like they, they don't know that you can request certain things. They don't know that you can refuse certain things. And, and it's just, I think we've, as a society, just been trained, like you just follow along with what the provider says, but you can definitely step up and, and take charge. I tell people all the time, like, like you can take charge of that whole appointment. Um, and usually for, I mean, it depends obviously, but a lot of times they love to meet you halfway and they're, they're mm-hmm. happy to have someone that is proactive because they know that once you leave their office, you're going to work on your health goals mm-hmm. and totally. they, they love that. <laughs> you're yes. going to be a compliant patient, you know? So, absolutely. Uh, so no, I love that. And I, I just love hearing your, your journey and I'm really excited for you and so happy to have you in the PCOS world so that you Thank can you. share your knowledge and really help people, um, you know, learn to take their power back and, mm-hmm. and hit PCOS head on and do it in a very, positive, empowering way. Definitely. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And so today we're going to be talking about health at every size. Um, I think it's also commonly called haze. Is that right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And that is something that, um, that you talk about on your, on your platforms. And I would just love if we can dive into what health at every size is. Totally. Yeah. So health at every size was something that I started to learn about in graduate school. It was um, not really a formally discussed um, approach, but I had some classmates that were interested in it and it really, you know, became um, of interest to me. So really at the, at the core of health at every size is this idea that anyone at any size can start to implement health, what we call health promoting behaviors. Um, A lot of times, not even just in PCOS, but just in healthcare in general, there's this idea of I have to lose weight before I can be healthy. And, you know, it doesn't matter what size you are, you can, you know, start to eat more fruits and vegetables, get better sleep at night, um, start, you know, walking for 10 minutes after your meals. you know, managing stress, eating whole whole grains instead of refined grains, that there's Mm -hmm. so many different um, health promoters that we can start to um, implement and to put into play in your routine um, that really have nothing to do with a change in weight. And I think that's super important because I've had so many people come to me and say, 
I've lost all this weight, but you know, my A1C hasn't changed or, you know, I even saw someone whose A1C, you know, went up or, you know, different lab markers are, you know, going in the wrong direction. And I think that's the biggest thing when we, when a doctor or any provider says, you know, you need to lose weight to manage this and don't give them any other information, it really sets them up for failure. Because yes, a lot of these health promoting behaviors can be associated with weight loss, but I think it's that important um, piece around research that um, correlation does not equal causation, that it's really these other factors that people are typically putting into play that are creating that weight loss if it happens, um, not the weight loss itself. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And that's kind of the approach that I take. I always call it like a, um, you know, neutral weight, like non weight loss focus. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the general like society views health at every size is just promoting that bigger bodies can Mm -hmm. be active or fit. And there's a lot of controversy on it. But really, when, when we look at the groundwork of what it is, it's just simply encouraging people to improve their, their health behaviors. And in result of that, you're going to end up improving your health. And, um, do you feel, and this is, I'm really interested to hear this question. Do you feel like this approach, when you take a a non weight-based approach, people tend to have more progress in their health areas and the health biomarkers? For sure, for sure, because they're really focusing on the behaviors that actually move those markers that, you know, you just mentioned. Um, And it can be really scary, I think, for people at first, especially in the PCOS community, um, because they have heard for so long and from their doctors, you know, lose weight, you have to lose weight. And I think especially when you add in the fertility piece and, um, you know, people are are so... um, desperate for lack of a better word to start their family that they think if, you know, if this is what's holding me back, I'll do anything Mm -hmm. to get to that point. And that really doesn't, you know, help fertility all that much, especially if you're not doing in the right way, we can really um, make those hormones even worse. I know I've seen you talk about on your page a lot before too, but you know, the diet mentality and, and specifically not eating enough, exercising way too much, not controlling stress. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a huge one. Isn't, isn't going to get you any closer to improving your fertility. And so, you know, I like to take that approach of, you know, let's, let's make small changes over time that are going to make a really big difference. Let's go for that low hanging fruit. That's going to, you know, really, help set you, you know, off on the right path to, um, you know, having that baby that you're really, you're really working towards. And um, I know that that can be really scary for people because they, Mm -hmm. you know, we, our society just crams it down our throat. Yeah. Weight loss and dieting. And there is no shortage of products and programs and money that just gets sunk into that dollar industry for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yes. like booming. <laughs> totally. And, yeah. and something I always ask my clients that are a little resistant to this idea of, you know, um, health at every size is, you know, well, what have you tried before? And, you know, mm-hmm. I've tried keto, I've tried Weight Watchers, I've tried um, Whole30, you know, I go to the gym, you know, seven days a week and, yeah. and go to every single spin class and do all this weightlifting. And, um, you know, the, the big thing that I ask them is, and 
did it work? Yeah. Like, you know, and ultimately <laughs> the answer is no. If you're, you know, if you're, if it worked, you wouldn't be, um, you know, coming to me looking for this help. And, um, you know, what I always tell them is I really want this to be the last kind of piece of nutrition mm -hmm. and lifestyle advice that you ever need. My goal that is to, yeah, keep exactly. going and manage it and have control too, because, totally. um, you know, and I've been there, I've, I've had those times in my life and you're not really in control. Like you're chasing something, you're constantly going yes. after it and it, and it governs everything that you do from what your day looks like, from what your activity level looks like. And, yes. and I really think that it's such a beautiful thing to be able to take control and be like, no, I'm in the driver's seat. And this yes. is something that I can do from now on out. Cause we do know that PCOS yes. is currently lifelong. And unfortunately, um, you're right. Like I see it all the time with the people that I work with and, um, stress levels are always at the roof. I've yet to have someone with PCOS come mm -hmm. in with really beautiful stress assessment. Um, <laughs> and they've done all of the, you know, dieting and the weight cycling over time of losing weight, gaining it back, losing mm -hmm. weight and gaining it back has really caused some damage to like with their hormones and mindset too. I love the fact that yes. you have, you know, a knowledge base in psychology because it's, it's so hard to get them to go from constantly being fed that you need to do more, you need to eat less and more is more. And then we're coming okay. in and saying, no, I want you to slow down. And I want to like, let's, let's take it slower and do some small things. And, and they're like, whoa, nobody's ever told me that before. <laughs> this feels really weird. I don't know how to act about it. <laughs> yes, totally. But my ultimate favorite thing is when they come back and say, oh my gosh, I'm seeing all these improvements yeah. and I, you know, I'm able to go out to eat with my family and not mm -hmm. stress about it and not, you know, not only stress about it in the meal, but stress about it for the days after and step on the scale every 20 minutes on the days right. after, just because I went and enjoyed a nice meal with my family. It just, uh -huh. it, to me, that's much more the way that I want to live as opposed to this very strict regimented, you know, diet lifestyle. Yeah, I just, I, I totally agree with that because I was just thinking the other day about how much, like, I just love food. I mean, I'm going to school to study it and I'm like, mm -hmm. you have got to be kidding me. If you really think that you're going to see me eat salads every day, like yeah. I love food so much <laughs> that I'm willing to spend all of this time researching and studying <laughs> it. Like I want to spend my days eating the most glorious food yes. there is <laughs> 100 percent, and without, you know, pushing myself to go to the gym afterwards and stuff. Mm -hmm. I definitely, I've been down that path and I'm not alone there, but, um, I think in the, in the PCOS space, it's really beneficial to talk about this because so many people mm -hmm. have been weight shamed. They've been told that their primary treatment is weight loss. So I'm curious what your thoughts are, like, what are the benefits for someone specifically with PCOS to take a more health at every size approach to, to their condition? Yeah, well, I think one of the very biggest um, benefits is just like you talked about is that stress level. I think when we are constantly told to lose weight, eat less, move more, and, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what else is going on, this is your ultimate goal. Um, that really adds a lot to our stress levels because, you know, it's just it's this unattainable goal that we're making worse by not eating enough and moving more. Um, so like you said, it's like, we're always, you know, chasing that number on the scale and to be able to take that out of the equation. Um, that's actually something that I really encourage my clients to do. I think they're always very shocked when they're like, what, you don't want me to 
send you my weight every day or every week or something like that. And I'm like, no, actually, I'd really encourage you to just throw out the scale. Um, and I know that that's like a very big idea very for people. Um, I totally get that. And if you know, you never get to that point, that's fine, too. But you know, moving away from feeling like you have to weigh yourself every single day and that your, you know, your health and your future and your fertility really hinge on this one number um, really is stressful on top of everything else that we have going on. I think, you know, with jobs and families and trying to start families and um, a global pandemic on top of all of this, I mean, the last thing we need is the scale stressing us out too. So, I think that's one big benefit of it, but I think also to um, allowing us to educate clients on a, a bigger picture of health that isn't just centered on the number on the scale of let's, you know, let's talk about your cholesterol levels. Let's talk about your hemoglobin A1C. Um, let's talk about your insulin levels and insulin resistance and, um, you know, all the lab markers that we talk about. Um, I run uh, Dutch tests in my practice, and I love to see the improvement that make after making even just small changes. I think that's that's always something that shocks them is what. Uh-uh. Something just cut out. Um... Okay. Give me just a second and then um, we'll start back from like where you said you do the Dutch test and I can edit it in. Okay, perfect. So if you want to start right there, you can. Perfect. So one of the things that I really love to do in my practice is run um, the Dutch test, the dried urine testing for comprehensive hormones and um, allowing my clients to see what um, their hormones look like you know, the first time they take it, and then if they take it, you know, several months to a year later, seeing those changes, um, you know, I've even done that for myself. And it's amazing um, to see, to see the changes and the improvements. And I think it's so exciting. But I think, you know, that's one of the big benefits of health at every size is really, I think that's part of empowering my clients is to help them understand, you know, what all goes into this picture of health. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not your BMI. It's not the number on the scale. I mean, sure, there could be an argument that 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 could be part of it. But it's not the whole picture, like we're told by providers. There's so many variables. um, But it is so easy as a society to just put all the blame on the weight. Like that's Mm -hmm. a a scapegoat. Mm -hmm. So it's super easy to do that. And something that I always try to share is like your weight is truly a symptom. So like, why are we attacking the the symptom instead of figuring out like what, what's causing that? And I think the burning question for a lot of people is going to be, okay, can I truly improve and manage my PCOS without losing weight? Is that a Mm -hmm. possibility? Yes, totally. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, I know that's a huge mindset shift for a lot of people to figure that out, but it is 100% possible to manage PCOS without changing that number scale. Um, And like I said, I think the biggest um, benefit that comes from it is also just the freedom and, you know, in the brain space that we get back from not having to hyper-focus on every piece of food that we put in our mouth and every, you know, step that we take or how many rings we close on our Apple watch and what that number on the scale is. And I think, you know, 
not to say that every dietitian has this approach, um, but I think just like you said earlier, is like we as dietitians um, often get, um, you know, pinned as the food police and people think of us as, you know, we're gonna, you know, shame you into getting healthy. And, you know, what I always tell people is, you know, dietitians are some of the biggest foodies you will ever meet. Right? And know. we, you know, we literally went to school and studied it and put time and money and energy into studying food and how, what happens in your body when yeah. you eat it. The last thing we want to do is tell you that you can't eat these different foods. You know, mm -hmm. it may take some little shifts, um, to be able to eat those food. Like instead of, um, eating a piece of cake by itself, let's make sure we pair some protein with it so that we're mm -hmm. not, um, you know, we're supporting our insulin levels and our blood sugar and all of that. But, you know, you're never going to hear me say that you can't eat something unless maybe, you know, the food was expired. I wouldn't recommend that. But. <laughs> or you're like allergic or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, exactly. I agree. And uh, I recently had kind of had that shift toward my platform because I thought, you know, I love to give out healthy meal ideas, but also mm -hmm. at the same time, I want you to see that like not everything has to be textbook or what society mm -hmm. considers as healthy. So when you yes. see me eating a sandwich with kettle chips, don't come at me. Cause yes. it's like, that's what I needed that day. Yep, totally. <laughs> um, and uh, I do think that us being more open and honest about food in general, or, and just like being able to tackle your health without putting so much restraint on like your, your weight or your body size mm. can only help people going forward. Um, and I can, I definitely think it's going to be something like of the future, like more and more people are going to start catching on. I'm really mm -hmm. excited to see that so many are already. And I think yes. that for a lot of people, they're like, maybe they, you know, the seed has been planted and they're like, okay, so I can actually tackle this without having to pressure myself to lose weight or change my mm -hmm. body size. What are some of the things that we can just initially starting out to do to tackle PCOS or start managing our health better without focusing on the weight? What are some of your best tips? Yeah, so I think um, one of the biggest things that I see um, with my clients, um, kind of like you were saying, I see this in pretty much every single person that comes to me is managing that stress. So, you know, I think a lot of times we think of stress as, you know, my kids are running around crazy and, you know, I was really stressed out or, you know, I had this big deadline at work or at school, um, you know, and it totally caused me a lot of stress, but also too, um, you know, the stress of not providing our body with the nutrients that it needs, not providing our bodies with the right type of, you know, what I call joyful movement um, or, you know, providing our bodies with movement that is just, you know, pushing our bodies to the max and really kind of releasing way more cortisol than needs to be released. You know, we've got enough, usually we have enough of that in our life that we don't need to, you know, sit in a crazy long spin class and don't get me wrong. I love spinning, but you know, I think a lot of times in the beginning, taking a step back and working on things like yoga or Pilates, mm -hmm. you know, walking, um, doing kind of some of the, the slower, um, less intense exercises, I think is huge. Yeah. So that kind of hits on, um, both stress and exercise. But I think, um, another thing that, um, I always recommend to my clients right off the bat is making sure that they're getting enough protein and fiber at all meals and all snacks. And I think mm -hmm. that's always a surprise to people because I think, 
particularly with the protein, they think, oh, I'm, I'm totally getting enough protein. Like, you know, that's not an issue for me. Um, and one of the things that I do that I offer in my practice, if, you know, someone is interested in it is that they can use the food journal, um, mm -hmm piece of the electronic medical record that I use. Um, they can either write in what they ate or they can take a picture of it and I'm able to give them feedback on mm -hmm. what they're eating. And nine times out of 10, that is the piece of feedback that I'm getting is let's, you know, let's add a little bit more protein to this. And they'll say, you know, oh, well it had, you know, a tablespoon of nut butter on it or something <laughs> like that. And I love nut butter. I think that's a great, you know, source of a lot of really great nutrients, but mm -hmm. it really is um, a mindset shift to make sure that we're getting enough protein. Even for myself, sometimes I have to yeah, it, it, a little really, reality check. You know, there's obviously, you know, our needs change as our body go mm -hmm. through seasons. And I've had yes. times where I've been more heavy on the protein. I've had times where my protein was a lot lower and I needed to focus more on like nutrients and fiber. But yep. um, if, if, Right now, currently, I'm going back up on the heavier protein, and it's mm -hmm. like I forgot how much <laughs> work <Yep>. this is. <laughs> totally. So, like, even for the <laughs> those of us that talk about food consistently, we still struggle with it too. But yes, um, totally. And I think fiber totally. is another one. I think people really—it's like they're forgotten thing. Mm -hmm. Like no one ever thinks about poor little fiber. And, um, I'm sure you see that as well. A lot of people aren't yeah. getting as much as we would yes. like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a client that came to me recently, um, that was actually on average having one bowel movement a week, which, um, you know, I like to see at least one a day, you know, it doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be one a day, you know, that's what I try to, you know, always ease people's minds of, you know, if you skip one day and then, you know, you have two the next day that, you know, that totally counts as, you know, mm -hmm. beneficial too, but just some small changes in her diet of, um, adding some more protein and specifically, um, some chia seeds and flax seeds, which, awesome. you know, are so helpful for that. I mean, that was an almost instant, instant change for her. Yeah. We added in a couple supplements as well to help with that. But in only a couple weeks, um, she was able to see some huge improvements with that oh and gosh. felt so much better. And, yeah. um, you know, all the benefits that come along with it. And I think that's sometimes something we don't want to so pay attention to, or, you know, don't yeah. want to have to talk about. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, just simple little things like that can make us feel so much better. <laughs> I'm glad that you mentioned that because it's literally, it is a topic. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't know if this is too much information. It's like, I am going to ask you about your bowel movement every yep. single time that we talk. I want to know yep. everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just, I'm immediately you're, you're sharing the story and I'm like, I bet she feels so much more clear and energetic yes. and just, yes. you know, just good in her body. And, and not to mention like that helps us get rid of our hormones and like, yep. I'm just like over here cheering. That's amazing. Yes. Just great work. <laughs> yeah. Just like you said, it's, you know, it's such an, not only does it make us feel good, but yeah. you know, it, it's such an important part of balancing our hormones that if that's, you know, if our digestion isn't regular, right. that's a big, you know, roadblock to balancing yeah. those hormones. No, I, I love that. So really, it's, honestly, it's just some basic things that, yeah. that we don't have to put so much pressure on ourselves. Like, you know, do some gentle movement that you enjoy, you know, eat more protein and fiber and, you know, try to focus on your stress levels if you can. Yes. And I think a lot of people get caught up on that. Like I'm so stressed. I can't do anything. It may just be like adding something small, like maybe yep. just add a short brief meditation or yes. a, a bath that you can soak in at the end of the day, or just something simple that you could just add into mm -hmm. your day. Um, that really adds up too. But I just, 
I love this approach. I love how helpful that I know it's going to be for people. And honestly, I'm just so excited that it just offers another option because I have seen so many people who have just felt like really doomed because they've Mm -hmm. been told you have to lose weight or you're never going to get, get control over your diagnosis. And that's just not exactly true. And there are other options. So if you've ever felt doomed, I know that this conversation hopefully has gave you some hope and some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Is there anything else that you think would be helpful for us to know when it comes to doing an approach like this towards our health? Yeah, I think the other thing that would be helpful with this is also, um, you know, health at every size uh, applies to anyone in any size or shape body. I think a lot of times you touched on this a little bit earlier um, that we think of it as, you know, people in larger bodies, but Mm -hmm. um, the opposite is is absolutely true too, that I can't Mm -hmm. tell you how many people in smaller bodies are, you know, their lab work is completely, you know, off the charts, out of control, Mm -hmm. really poor that, you know, that is still something that they can work on too. Um, And I think that kind of comes into play with this, um, what I feel like is a newer term with the lean PCOS, Um, you know, that is something that drives me nuts when people say, you know, what kind of advice would you give to somebody with lean PCOS? And I always tell them, you know, the advice that I give, it's not dependent on (laughs) the size or shape of your body. It is, Mm -hmm. you know, dependent on, you know, everything that we've just talked about labs, what are you eating? What are your stress levels? Um, You know, you can be insulin resistant at any size and you you can improve insulin resistance at any size. And so I think, you know, thinking of it, you know, on the one-sided of, you know, it just impacting people in larger bodies is just not um, Mm -hmm. the way to think about it. It really impacts everyone. And it's kind of this idea of moving away from the number on the scale as, you know, the be all end all number when it comes to our health. So it absolutely applies to everyone. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And it's really just simply like at the end of the day, regardless of who you are and what body you reside in, this is just promoting like healthier behaviors, as you said, and habits. Uh, Those are what is is truly going to add up. And I'm glad that people just know that they can tackle PCOS regardless of what their body size is. Um, And I I just, I feel like that's a very empowering <laughs> bit yeah. of information to know. I think so to too. Like, oh, I can do this. Yes, yes. no matter what, I can yes. do this. And you don't um, have to wait until you reach a certain size to, you know, yeah. POS. And if you don't mind, if I could just ask you like another thing that just kind of came up is because um, I know in this conversation, a lot of people uh, that are listening are going to be people that are in larger bodies that are having these hard conversations mm-hmm. with their providers about, because, mm-hmm. um, and I even see this with my clients too, they go to the, their doctor's appointment and the doctor's upset that they haven't lost, you know, X amount of weight. And they're, they're standing up and they're saying, but I have done this. I've done this. I've done this. I've changed my habits. My A1C is down. My cholesterol is down. Like I'm having natural periods. Like we're doing all of these amazing things. And so I would love to just know like what your advice would be if you find yourself in the position where your doctor only wants Mm -hmm. to talk about your weight. Um, What are some of the things that we could have a conversation about or to even advocate for ourselves in that situation? 
totally. So I think um, just being open to having a conversation or attempting to have a conversation with your doctor to kind of say, you know, I really, you know, I'm not focusing on weight. I'm much more interested in, you know, these these lab results and how are they impacted. Um, the the fact that I'm getting a regular period. I mean, I think that is so huge. It's huge for all of us with PCOS. I know that's you know kind of a day that we celebrate every month. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know when you know when we do get it. Um, you know, but but bringing up those those positive um, changes that have occurred, um, and even you know telling them even if it's not necessarily you know something measurable in their office, you know, telling them, you know, I've started, you know, walking 30 minutes a day, I've started lifting weights, I've, I've increased my fiber intake, I've, I'm eating way more fruits and vegetables, just kind of pointing that out to them. Um, I think another question that I always tell my clients to ask is, you know, would this be such a big deal if I was in a smaller body? I think kind of putting that back on them, um, that it, you know, it's really not fair that people in a smaller body go to the doctor and almost kind of get a pass when, um, you know, maybe their blood sugar is totally through the roof or their cholesterol is super high. You know, they deserve, um, you know, treatment and intervention and attention from the doctor just as much. Um, but the other thing I always remind um, my clients is that, you know, you touched on this a little bit earlier um, when we were talking is that you don't have to get weighed. That is absolutely something that you can refuse in the doctor's office. Um, I'm not saying that it won't come with some pushback possibly, yeah, um, but Usually. you can, yes, yes. Especially cause you know, it's, it's not the doctor obviously that's weighing us. It's it, somebody yeah. else that's checking us in. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think we have to think about it from their perspective of, you know, oh gosh, I'm gonna have to explain to someone why I didn't get a weight on this person. But, you know, you can just remind them, like tell them you can put in my chart that I refused it today. Right. Um, right. The other thing that you can do is what's called a blind weight. Um, that isn't necessarily as helpful in terms of avoiding the conversation, mm -hmm. you know, with the doctor. But, you know, if it is something that's triggering to you, you can always kind of turn around when they're getting the weight so that you don't have to see it. But I think really refusing, refusing to get your weight, um, really regardless of what size you are. Cause I think that's the other thing is that, um, people in smaller bodies can really help to push this idea forward by mm -hmm. them also refusing to get a weight at the doctor. There's very few things that the doctor actually needs a true weight for. And, you know, if the person trying to get your weight is giving you a lot of pushback, you know, after you tell them, you know, you can say that I refuse this in my chart, just say, listen, um, you know, if the you know, if I can talk to the doctor and they have a really good reason why they need my weight today, you know, I'll reconsider. But if right. not, I'm going to pass on that. And the other thing is, I think, and I know this comes from, you know, a place of privilege and not everyone is able to do this. But, you know, if you're really not able to make any progress with your doctor, see if there's somebody else you know, a different doctor or provider um, in that office, or maybe even in a different office that you can see instead. I think there comes a point where, um, you know, maybe we just have to move on from that provider mm -hmm. and, um, you know, kind of take matters into our own hands. I think, you know, I know that that's something kind of easier said than done, but just because you went to this doctor once doesn't mean you're married to them for life and have to keep <laughs> going back no matter what. I think if they're just refusing to think about anything but weight, it's, you know, it's time to consider something else. Yeah. I'm glad that you said that because I used to have that kind of mentality to a certain extent. And whenever I think about 
when my PCOS got to its worst, um, it was a doctor that diagnosed me with PCOS. And I thought at one point in time, they were super helpful, you know, like, Hey, they Mm -hmm. finally discovered what no other doctor ever has. And Mm -hmm. of course, at that time, they were very much focused on like, you need to lose weight. It's going to help with your PCOS. And so I did, I I lost a hundred pounds. And then whenever I got really sick, I was in a super lean body and it was just keep dieting and exercising. Mm -hmm. And so I got to feel that from like both sides of of the spectrum of, of how it was being treated the whole entire time. It was all about my weight, no matter which size I was at. Um, it was not about, you know, my quality of life, how I was sleeping, how my digestion was. It wasn't about my hormones or, or anything like that. And so just as you're like sharing everything that you shared today, I can't help but think back and be like, how much different could my journey be? Mm-hmm. If I would have known that this was even a possibility, if I would have known that, that I had ah. options, if I would have known that it wasn't all about my weight and I put so much pressure on myself for mm-hmm. that, um, I can just imagine a lot of, of burden could have been lifted. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Yeah. And also too, just the fact that we're not we didn't cause our PCOS based on our weight and we're not making it worse, you know, or better necessarily based on weight. Um, You know, it's, it's usually those other factors that come along with any type of change in weight that, like you said, weight is a, is a symptom, not a cause. And it's, you know, Mm -hmm. coming along with these other things that, you know, our body's really trying to kind of tell us about what's going on inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this beautiful information. Yeah. I know it's going to be helpful to so many people listening. Where can we find you and connect with you? Yeah, so you can find me at the at Happy Hormones Dietitian on Instagram and www.happyhormonesdietitian.com. Um, so I love, you know, connecting with people, especially on social media. I think it's such a powerful platform. So I would love it if, um, you know, if this, you know, conversation kind of resonated or if anybody Mm -hmm. had any questions, feel free to send me a DM or um, an email or something like that. Awesome. And I will put all of your information in the show notes. Ellison, thank you so much for coming and chatting with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to That PCOS Coach, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to be featured on the podcast, have questions about the information that you listen to, or anything else, you can contact me at thatpcoscoach at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, could you do me a solid, leave a rate and review. It really helps the podcast reach more people like you in the PCOS community. And until next time, keep fighting.